0: word, Not your spirit. God, I pray that this morning you can fill us up, God, uh, energize us, give us your strength and your grace and your goodness, and help us to be men who live like your son. Your son, Jesus' in name, we pray all these things. Amen. 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 What up, fellas? Hey, what's job, hey, who's the guy? Where's the guy? Rashad. Who Rashad. Rashad.
1: Rashad. Hey, give it
0: up for Rashad one more time, man. Rashad, I've ever shot. I've ever shot. Really wishes this was a co-ed class. You know what I'm saying? Really wishes it was a co-ed class. Hey guys, what's going on? My name is Nick, and uh, I have the honor of serving down at Georgia State University. Where's Calvin? Here? Let me see it. Let me hear it, Cal. You know. You know. You know. Oh, I forgot the last one. That's all good. That's all good. Hey, uh, I'm really excited about what we're talking about today. Me too. Really excited about what we're talking about. Really excited to be with the fellas. Um, you know, it's not, it's not too often that all the guys in the southeast get a chance to come together. These are special times. Special moments, you know. And uh, for a lot of you guys, I remember coming in here for the first time myself and being like, Whoa, there are other guys around the country that are trying to do the same thing I am? Like, That's awesome. And it's amazing, and it's amazing that we get a chance to do this together. Yep. Yeah. People around the world don't have this right here. And uh, it's really awesome to get a chance to do it together. I'm inspired by you guys. I'm inspired by you guys. And I feel really honored to be in the presence of guys that are really trying to follow Jesus. And uh, we're going to talk more about that today, all right? So I got something I want to I bring up real quick, all right? All right, here we go. Oh. This, this is a BB gun, okay so don't, don't get crazy. Hey, who in here? Who in here thinks, I mean you guys don't know me very well, right? Who thinks from right here that I'd be able to hit that hit that circle right there in that chair. Who believes that right there? Who believes that? All right People putting some trust in me. That's awesome. That's awesome. I did it a few times yesterday you know and got you know made it made it most times, you know so. Uh, hey, who, who, Okay, how about this? Who would come up there and hold it for me? I got you, (laughs) All right, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Hey, a little bit, that's a little bit less guys than before. All right, who, who, keep your hands up. Who would come up and hold it with their teeth? Wow. Wow, okay. All right, let's see. Um, Who should I choose right here? Holding it with their teeth. Let's go Habib right here. Habib, come on up, man. Come on up. you might have a little Habib, that's crazy. Hold on. to have All right, who thinks I'm going to do it? All right, dude. Don't move. Hey, don't move. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm not do it. You guys a look. Well, I mean, take a seat, man. Give it up for Habib. Be a woman. to do it. My mate Habib. So, no, I actually, didn't. I've never shot one of these, actually, right here before. Oh, 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 oh. No. Not time, There's nothing in here. This is Jordan, just so you know. Hey, I appreciate it, Biba. Biba had more faith in me than I had in myself. You know, which is pretty awesome. And uh, you know what's interesting, right? Because I said, "Man, who thinks I can hit that?" Everybody in here basically raised their hand and said, "Man, I believe. I believe you can do it." And then once it took kind of getting some skin in the game, everybody's hands started going down. We'll be like, "Oh, I... and so you didn't really believe me, you know? You kind of thought you did for a second. You kind of felt like it, but it's like, oh, but I don't actually really believe him." And so everybody's hands started going down, right? And it's amazing, kind of like because. With Jesus, a lot of people say they believe. A lot of people say what they believe in Jesus. And it's easy to say, yeah, I trust Jesus. But the minute it takes putting some skin in the game and kind of saying, hey, it's going to take some sacrifice. I've got to deny myself right here. I might get hurt. It's amazing how everybody starts to, oh, I don't know if I want to do that, man. I don't know if I want to do that. And I think for a lot of us, we all have dreams. We all have things we want to do in life. I think everybody in here really wants to live an extraordinary life. I think people in here, you guys want to follow Jesus, or else you wouldn't be in this room. I think you guys want to live an exciting, thriving, incredible, abundance life. I think all you guys want to do that. But I think there's something in all of us that comes with that kind of desire to want to do something great. And I think it's fear. A lot of us are are afraid. You know, a lot of us fear. Just like, I want to do something great. I want to have an awesome ministry. I want to be able to go and like, see, God change the world. But then it's like, oh, but then when I actually have to go do something, I get a little bit scared. And when it comes down to it, it's easy to kind of say, oh, I believe in this room. Then you go out there in the real world and it's like, oh, snap, man, I don't know if I can really do this. And we get afraid. You know, we have a lot of heroes in our, in our world and guys that we look up to. And uh, the, the guys that we admire in this world, the guys that we hold up as our heroes, Every single one of those guys has courage. And that's what's inspiring to us, is courage. It's guys that said, I'm willing to risk myself to go get something done, to go save somebody else. And I think, man, what I want to be talking about kind of this this time that we're together as men is about courage. Because I think a lot of us, every single one of us has bowed down, has bowed down to fear. Let's turn to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Guys, our title is called The Uncaged Man. The Uncaged Man. Acts 4. You know, okay, so Acts chapter 4, we got Peter and John, they're out here doing extraordinary things for Jesus, right? They, at this moment in Acts chapter 4, Peter had already gotten up in Acts 2 and kind of started the Christian movement. People are starting to persecute him. People are starting to come after him. And so now they're standing up in front of the Sanhedrin, which is kind of like if you got a couple of high school boys that are standing up in front of the Supreme Court in Congress starting to talk about political issues, right? And starting to argue with guys about this kind of stuff. you got Peter and John up there. They're like, hey, bring it on. And they go into this epic kind of like speech about how much they do things in Jesus' name and how they're not backing down from anybody. And salvation is found in nobody else besides Jesus. Amen. And then after, after they sit down, after, after they finish... This is what it says in Acts 4.13. It says the council members were astonished as they witnessed the bold courage of Peter and John, especially when they discovered that they were just ordinary men who had never had religious training. Then they began to understand the effect Jesus had on them simply by spending time with them. You know, I think these are guys that we want to be. These are guys that I feel like for us, that like, man, I want to have that kind of courage to kind of get up and be bold for Jesus. Where were, you remember where Peter was just a, like a month earlier? Where he's at the Last Supper and, and he says, Peter, Jesus said, yo, I got to go to my death right here. Yep. Peter's like, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. Even if it's to death, I'm with you, man. I'm here. I'm never leaving you. He had that faith, right? He raised his hand. And the minute that it took some skin in the game, the minute that it took some, some fear met him, it took him out. Yep. He blew it. And then you kind of wonder what would happen. Like, Jesus resurrects from the dead, and now he's talking with Peter. You, you, like, sometimes I feel like, man, Jesus could have easily just went to Peter and said, dude, you blew it. You said you were going to follow me. You messed up. What's wrong with you, dude? I followed you. You're my best friend. I gave you the keys to the kingdom, I gave you everything. Nobody was closer to me. In my darkest hour, you turned away from me. It's like, dude, you're not worthy to be in my kingdom right here. You're not worthy. I'm going to get somebody else to go do the job because obviously you can't take it. Jesus could have so easily said that, right? You see in John 21, what does he do? He says, hey, Peter, man. Peter's out fishing because he's kind of like, he's just bummed out. Jesus finds him and says, dude, he's like, hey, you love me? I love you, bro. We're in this together. You're actually going to do some extraordinary things. You just got to trust me. And he went and just filled him with courage. He filled him with courage. And that's where we, just a a few weeks later, we see Peter getting up in front of massive groups of people, being willing to risk his life just because he spent some time with Jesus. And that's who Jesus is. You know, for a lot of us, I think we are, Jesus has opened, like we've been in that cage. Jesus has opened the cage door for us. He set us free. But I think a lot of times we just kind of hang out in that cage. And we're like, I'm a little bit too scared to actually step out of the cage. Although I'm free, I don't actually want to kind of, I don't really want to go for it. it, And so we're going to talk about what it really means to be courageous and to step out of the cage. Because we want to be like Peter. Um, You know, when you guys decide to hang out with Jesus, you guys step step into courage training. You know, all of us want to be in the battle. Jesus was by far. When you're hanging out with Jesus... When you get to hang out with that guy, he's the most courageous man to ever exist. You hang out with Jesus, and you're like, this dude is actually going to his death right here. As they were walking to Jerusalem, it says that the disciples were behind them, and they were afraid. They're like, are you kidding me? This guy's going towards his death. They wanted to kill him down there. And you see Jesus like, come on, man, bring it on. I'm ready to roll. Let's get this done. And you see people around him like, what? They were astonished. They were blown away. That's what Jesus did to people. They watched him. They were afraid. It made the most fearful man get up and say that they can do anything. When you step into the ring with Jesus, when you hang out with Jesus, when you're walking with Jesus, you step into courage training. And, you know, I think all of us, anybody ever heard of this quote from, it's called the, the man in the arena. And it's this epic quote that I think all of us want to be. And it's by Teddy Roosevelt and it says this. It says, it's not the critic who counts. Not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of good deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievements, and who, at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. So this place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither knew victory nor defeat. You know, man, all of us want to be in the arena. But I think for a lot of us, we've just been on the, on the sidelines just clapping for Jesus and clapping for the rest of people and saying, hey, do a great job, man. And kind of sitting on the sidelines complaining about stuff, not actually in the game. And he says, man, it's not about the critic who counts. The one who says, man, this could be done better. And we should be doing this and doing this. It's the man that's in the arena. That's got the blood on him. That's sweating. That's crying. That's going for it. And even if he fails, at least he fails daring doing something epic. And at least he fails doing something great. We all want to be that man. Some of you guys, I want to encourage you and challenge you to get in the arena. To get in the arena. Some of you guys have been trying I've been looking at Jesus for a long time. It's time to get in the fights. And get in the battle. Some of you guys, I you know you've been fighting for a long time. And what do you need? You need courage. And that's what we're going to get from Jesus. And so today what I want to talk about is two things to give us courage, okay? Two things that I feel like I want to I give you guys, they're really simple. Really simple. If you know me, I'm a pretty just simple person that kind of talks about the same stuff a lot. And, uh, and so we got two things we're just going to talk about today. The first thing you're going to do if you're going to be a man of courage is you've got to listen. You know, every great story, every man out there, every movie that we love has an awesome, like, mentor. You got Mr. Miyagi, you know what I'm saying? You got Gandalf, right? You got, you got Coach Carter. You got, you got uh, Coach Boone over here. You got Mufasa. Mufasa's the man, right? You got, you got Yoda, kind of your own backpack mentor right there. And so every great guy that we know of, they had mentors, they had guys in their life that were kind of, that were training them. They were helping them, that they were getting advice from, they were listening from. They were listening, like kind of say, hey, how do I do this, this, and this? And they were going to them, they were listening to them, they were sitting at their feet. They were trying to say, man, I just need to get everything that you have. And hardwired into each and every man is the desire to have a mentor. Yeah. is the desire to have a coach, to have a big brother, to have a father who's going to teach us how to be a man. Because no man ever has become a man by himself. Every man needs an older man, needs someone to look up to, needs someone to train them, needs someone to kind of get in the the battle with them that can show them how it's done. That's why you look around the world. And it's, to me, manhood right now, the state of manhood around the world is really because of dads that have blown it. And because of of father figures out there that have blown it. And because hardwired in each and every man is the the desire to have an older man look at them and to say, I love you. I see you you got what it takes. You're the, you're the man. You know, and we, we all need that. And I think God really wants to be that for us. You know, we live in a world where there's so much shame. You think about Jesus. He could have gone and just shamed Peter a ton right there. He could have shamed him, shamed him down. And it's easy actually to come in here, you know, in these men's classes. It's really easy to get up and preach shame all the time. You just kind of get up and you start saying, you guys aren't doing this in the Bible. You need to do it. You guys are losers. You guys are lame. You're not doing what Jesus wants you to do. Just to come after you. And, but I think that's a little bit of a cheap way of preaching a lot of times because to me, like, a lot of times, I feel like you guys are really trying to do your best yeah. a lot of you guys, I feel like, are really trying to strive after it but you need some courage you need an older man, you need, you need a father that's going to come and say, hey, you got what it takes you can do it I believe in you, I see you remember, remember God, what he does first thing when Jesus sets foot in his public ministry when he's baptized, before Jesus does anything he looks at Jesus and says, dude, you're my son whom I love with you, I'm well pleased. That's what God said to Jesus right from the jump. And we all, I think, need that from God ourselves. Where he looks at you and says, I'm so pleased with you. I love you like crazy. I, I would die for you. I would do anything for you. That's really who God is. You know, I think it's easy. Even, you know, even when we have these things. I don't know what you feel as you see a bunch of guys doing push-ups. It's the first thought you think of is shame. Of, man, I wish I was one of those guys that was strong enough to do that. Or if you think, man, I wish I was one of the guys that was able to get up and speak. I'm just not a good speaker. Or, man, I'm just not, I'm not smart enough like a lot of these guys. Or we have like these deep insecurities. Or why does this guy always kind of get, you know, it seems like a lot of the girls kind of like him. It's hard for me to interact with some of the girls. Or, man, like I have sometimes like these like homosexual thoughts that just kind of come in my brain every once in a while. But I can't, I can't tell anybody that because that'll automatically bring shame. Or, man, I have these lustful thoughts. And we have these times where we shame ourselves, but we live in a culture where men are just shaming each other all the time. And I think Jesus, gosh, I think even in the church it's easy to do that. Let's just shame you from, for not doing what's right. And I think Jesus actually wants to give you courage. He doesn't want to shame you. wants to encourage you. The truth is, man, we all come from, we all come from different places in here. What Matt talked about yesterday, a lot of you guys have made mistakes that, like, you are ashamed of. And that you have blown it in some areas. And if there's been some things that you've done, you're like, I'm super ashamed of those kind of things. I'm super ashamed of the sin in my life, some of the decisions that I've made. I know a lot of you guys feel that. I know a lot of you guys just feel like, you know what, dude? I, I tried my best, or, but I couldn't really help the way I grew up. You know? A lot of you guys grew up without dads. A lot of you guys grew up with dads that were, were disengaged or abusive. Or you grew up and people made fun of you for different reasons. Or you grew up and uh, you just didn't have people around you to love you. Or people rejected you. Or people made fun of you behind your back. Or uh, maybe you grew up with mental health stuff that just kind of, it was hard for you to actually engage with people. Or maybe you grew up with special needs and it was just kind of like, it's just tough to people, to kind of really feel accepted by people. We all come from like different, different places in here and tough backgrounds. And I want just to tell you right now that for those of you that feel like that, it's not your fault. It's not your fault the way that you were brought up. It's not your fault if you come from one of those hard situations. It's not your fault. You know, I don't know if you guys have seen Goodwill Hunting. You know, there's a scene in there where, uh, you know, Matt Damon plays this guy Will. And uh, he um, basically is kind of a rebel kid that, like, no one can control. And he... um, You know he's kind of he's seeing this guy Robin Williams you know as the actor and they've been kind of getting close but uh, basically Robin Williams is seeing his file and sees in his file all the bruises where Matt Damon's character has been abused by his by his alcoholic father and he can relate to it and he starts talking about it and basically explains to Matt Damon dude it's not your fault I wanted to show the clip right here because I think it's I think it's a powerful it's a powerful clip. Hey, It's not your fault. Mm. I know. It's not your fault. All right. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Not you, it's not your fault. I think for us I think God really wants to say it to us where he looks at us and he's just, he's just dying to say, dude I love you so much it's not your fault where you grew up it's not your fault some of the things that happened in your life he just wants to give you a hug and say, dude I'm with you, I want to help you I want to I know you I want you to trust me I want you to hang with me. I want you to be with me because I'm going to get you there. I'm going to get you where you want to go. Yeah. Just hang with me, man. It's not your fault. Just be with me here. I think we all need that. We all need those kind of guys in our life. And I think we're all weak. No matter how strong you think you are, we all we, none of us have it figured out. None of us have it all together. The strongest guys in here that think they have it together, it's, it's probably because they're the weakest guy in here. You know? It's because we put on usually that kind of face. A lot of us are weak. And I think what Jesus is trying to say to us is like, you guys can't control what happened in the past. A lot of it's not, wasn't up to you. A lot of it was your mistakes. (coughs) But you can control and you have responsibility from what you do from here on out. Where you go forward. Are you going to step forward with courage? Or are you going to let that stuff kind of be an excuse to hold you back for the rest of your life? And Jesus wants to come to you and says, no, we ain't ain't going back to that kind of stuff. I want to make you a new man. I want to make you extraordinary. I want to give you courage. I want to do things you never thought possible. You just got to hang out with me. You know, I feel like Jesus, the number one reason that Jesus was successful was because he listened to God. John John chapter 5. The number one reason to me that Jesus was successful... And that he did what he did and he was the most courageous man of all time was because he listened for his father's voice. John 5 verse 19, Jesus says, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show me even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. you go down to verse 30, he says, By myself, this is Jesus talking, the guy that rose from the dead, he says, By myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. You know, for Jesus, it wasn't about himself. He's like, I'm here because God told me to be here. I'm here just to make my father proud. You know, a lot of people will ask, you know, what was Jesus' primary motivation in coming to this earth? And I think a lot of people will say, man, it's because Jesus just loved us so much. And I think that's that's true. But I think even more so, Jesus came to this planet because he wanted to make his father proud. He He wanted Jesus. He's like, that's my king right there. I want to do anything to fight for that king. That's my dad! I'm the one to lay all the life for my dad. I know I can't do it by myself, and so whatever he says, I'm gonna do it. Because I know he loves me, and he cares for me. And I think what Jesus wanted to hear, he just wanted to hear God just come out and say, That's my boy! That's my guy right there! And I think all of us are, we wanna hear that from God. We wanna hear, man, I'm proud of you. That's my boy right there. You gave it all you had. And I think, man, that takes us laying on the line and listening to God first. Yeah. Amen. It takes, man, God, what, what is going to make you proud? What do you want from me? What do you want from my, from, my, from my life? All the great men in the scriptures, all the great men were successful, and they were great because they listened to God, yeah. because they heard God's voice, because they took him for his word. They took time to listen to him, and they went and did it out of courage. You know, all the men in the Bible were afraid. Every single one. He looked through the Bible, it's just a bunch of afraid dudes that were insecure and messed up a ton. But then they listened to God's voice. They trusted him. And that's when extraordinary things happened. You know, I I get a little bit afraid of our generation because we are the most distracted generation in human history. We are the most distracted generation of all time. Now, we can't sit still for like six seconds. You know know what the life attention of uh, the average human is today? Some of the North River guys know it. It's like, eight, it's like eight seconds, okay? It's like what the, what the attention span is of a human being these days. You know what the attention span is of a goldfish? It's nine seconds, okay? So you guys are losing a goldfish, you know what I'm saying? We live in a world that is so, has so much noise. It's so distracting. If you wanted to, you could access porn in 10 seconds. That's never been the case in human history. You could access it right now in 10 seconds. We are the most distracted generation in human history. YouTube, Netflix, social media, you know, TikTok these days. And I'm like, not even sure what that is right now, you know. But like sports or music or art, we are the most distracted generation in human history. And I fear that because that is wrecking havoc on the human soul yeah, is it's distraction the inability to hear God's voice. You know there's companies out there that are paying billions of dollars to distract you, are paying billions of dollars to steal your attention. You think that you just kind of like walking around and not taking intentional efforts to listen to God's voice, you're just going to be able to like withstand the millions of dollars being poured in to steal your attention away? It's not going to happen. I think we've lost the ability to listen to God's voice. I try to sit still and listen to God for five minutes. It's like the hardest thing in my life, you know? And I like feel extremely embarrassed because I'm like, I'm sitting there for six minutes. I'm like, oh man. And it's like within 30 seconds, my brain is already kind of somewhere else. And it's so hard just to kind of sit still just for a second. You know, in Psalm 10, verse four, it says, in his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. We live in a generation that has so many thoughts so many distractions, so much noise that I think we lose that still voice of God when he's trying to speak to you. I think many of us say that we don't hear God's voice. Like, man, God's not speaking to me. But what if the issue is that man, maybe God never stops speaking to you, but you just never put yourself in a place to listen? Now, you haven't put yourself in a place. You haven't created the space in your life just to really listen for God's voice. Are you taking the time to listen? It, literally might, it, it will change your life. What if God's trying to say something specific to you? He's trying to give you courage. He's trying to kind of tell you some truth. He's trying to get you to do something. He's trying to get you to think something. But you're just like, no, I don't really want to listen. I'd rather, I'd rather watch YouTube for the next two hours. You know, I'd rather play a video game. Or I'd rather, like, and we lose the, the ability just to pay attention to God's voice. <coughs> You know, in Luke five, Jesus says that it says that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and he prayed. (coughs) Does that describe you? That doesn't describe me right now. I don't think it would say often right there. I think it would say occasionally when I when I when I kind of have some free time for it. But it says that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and he prayed. You know, like Matt, uh, I also went to the University of Georgia. Okay. I went to UGA, and there were different times in there where I felt extremely alone. I felt like I was really kind of in a, in a weird spot of just fear, and I wasn't myself. I remember my dad talking to me, and basically kind of in his mind, he was like, dude, I can't really help you right now because I lived so, he lived, you know, states away. And he said, dude, you have to learn how to make God your best friend. You have to listen to his voice. He's trying to tell you something. He's trying to kind of give you courage. If you're running around doing all these things, you're not taking the time to kind of go and get the power from God himself. And so what it made me start doing is there was these awesome intramural fields next to my house, you know, at UGA, and I would go out there at night and I would just start walking around the fields and just praying and just listening for God. There'd be times I'd just walk out there and say nothing, just kind of listen for God's voice. There'd be times I'd go out there and I'd sob before God because I was confused about stuff. There'd be times where I'd yell and try to rant at God just to kind of get it out of my system. And I'd say, God, now I'm just going to sit here and listen for the next 20 minutes just trying to see what you're trying to say, like just trying to, try, trying to hear your voice, what you're trying to say to me and what that did for me is it's kind of like it changed my life I'm just kind of taking the time just to sit and talk just walk and talk with God and try to really listen for his voice but it's still a struggle for me today I need to repent in this area there's so many things that distract me and I don't take the time as I should to sit and listen for God's voice how do you feel like you're doing right now at, at really listening to God are you a man that's known for your prayer life People know, oh, yeah, that dude, he prays like crazy. I know he's praying for me. I know he's praying for the rest of this ministry. I know he's praying for my family group. I know he's praying for my family. Are you known for your prayer life? How well do you know God's voice? How well do you know the Bible? You know, I remember last retreat, Kendall talked a lot about, some of you guys know the stats, you know, of your favorite player, sports player, more than you know the their own scriptures. Or some of you guys know the cheat codes on certain games more than more than the Word of God. And I think that kind of stuff, that just... What that does is that stuff is just never going to satisfy you. It's never going to give you courage. How well do you know the Bible? Wouldn't it be awesome if you like just made a decision, I'm going to read the whole entire Bible this year and get to know God's voice. I think that stuff would really change your life. Are you too distracted by the entertainment around you? You know, I just want to challenge you guys to go, to go on prayer walks. Instead of, taking, like, instead of talking to God a lot, maybe take some time where you just listen to him. And you take 10 minutes just to say, I'm just going to listen to God and hear what he's trying to say to me. Pray with each other. Make it a goal to read the whole Bible with somebody in here. But I think I want all of us to really think about how often do you think about making God proud? Is that the first thing on your mind? Imagine, I just want you to imagine if every single man after this retreat, if every single guy walked out of here saying, I want to do everything I can to listen to God's voice. If every guy in here said, I'm listening to God. I'm listening to God. I'm going to create space to listen to God. Can you imagine what this world would look like? If every man in here said, I'm going home, I'm going to listen to God. That's the thing I'm taking away. I'm listening. I'm trying to hear his voice. What does he want me to do? Not what my minister wants me to do. What does God want me to do? now? what does the pastor want me to do? What does God want me to do? I think if all of us kind of went home kind of like thinking about, about God, whoa, like this world would completely and radically change. So the first thing we got to do is listen. The next thing we got to do is we got to train. You know, as I was growing up, the guy that I idled the most was Kobe. As I was growing up, that was my guy. That was the guy that uh, for me, I had had his jersey, I had his shoes, you know, I, I was him for Halloween, I watched his games, I lived in Southern California. Kobe's my guy. I grew up with him. And so obviously, you know, over the last month, been with Kobe dying, it's, it's created people just reflecting a lot on just what life is all about, what greatness looks like, why people admired Kobe. And there was a time where, where uh, this past week, where it was Kobe's funeral and everybody was there. And uh, Michael Jordan was speaking at it. And Michael Jordan got a chance to talk about Kobe. And you know, Mike, you know, he's the greatest player to ever exist. He's talking about Kobe. And he just starts weeping about Kobe. And he says, Man, Kobe would. Text me at two in the morning, and say, "Dude, what are some cool post moves I can do?" You know, he he would like message me at one. and a dude. What are some drills I can do and stuff like that? And and MJ was like, "Dude, shut up, man. You're annoying." You know, and he would say he's like he was actually kind of annoying, but he bugged me so much that I realized he was actually just trying to be great, and he was trying just to learn everything that he could. He was like, "Hey, my 12 year old daughter is trying to learn some moves. You got any moves for her?" It was like two in two in the morning. Well, what were you doing when you were 12, MJ? Jordan's like, I was even, I was playing baseball, dude. Like, just shut up, you know. And he's like, but I was amazed because Kobe was like obsessed with just learning everything that there was to know about MJ, everything there was. Kobe was obsessed. Like, you look at him, there was nobody that was more obsessed with being the greatest basketball player to exist than Kobe Bryant. And I look at that, I'm like, how is he going to be more obsessed about a game of basketball than I'm going to be about getting training to be like Jesus? Yeah. There's no way. That a guy can be more obsessed about football than I'm going to be about God. How can I do that? It's a game. But these guys are obsessed with that kind of stuff. And it's what made them great. And I think, gosh, Jesus is so worthy of us trying to be like him. He's so worthy of us trying to say, Jesus, at 2 in the morning, dude, what are you doing? How can I, how can I be more like you? I want to become the best. I want to live the greatest life of all time. I want to help other people around me. You need to help me figure this out. And it's kind of bugging Jesus. Are you kind of that sort of disciple with Jesus? Are you the one that's texting him at 2 a.m. saying, dude, I want to, I want to do everything that you do? Because that's what greatness looks like. You look at that with Paul in Philippians chapter 3. He says, man, I once thought these things were valuable. talking about all the religious stuff he did. He says, but now I consider that stuff worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake... I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with Him. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised Him from the dead. I want to suffer with Him, sharing in His death so that one way or the other, I will experience the resurrection of the dead. Man, Paul just had this hunger to grow and to learn. He's like, dude, all that other stuff, who cares, man? I just want to know Jesus. I want to know that guy. I want to know what it was like to live like him. I want to know what it was like to die like him. Like he was obsessed with trying to be like his teacher. He was obsessed with trying to be like Jesus. And they asked Kobe a lot of times, dude, are you afraid out there? He's like, why would I be afraid? He's like, I've done that move a million times in the gym by myself. He's like, I practice. I put in everything I've had to kind of, to prepare. I've given it my whole heart. So why would I go out there and be afraid? Because courage comes when we've trained with the master. Courage comes when we've we've taken that time, just us and Jesus, in the dojo training with him. And that's when we can go out there and really be courageous. It It comes with strict training. Are you constantly training with Jesus? Are you obsessed with becoming like him? Do you wake up every morning with this burning desire in your belly to be just like Jesus? Or are you just doing the bare minimum? Are you skating by? Are you just showing up to different things? Are you willing to put the sweat and blood and work in to become like Jesus? It's not easy. Some of you guys are like, man, Nick, that's hard. Yeah, it is hard. Being a man of courage is hard. It's not, it doesn't take a lot of courage to sleep with a bunch of girls. You know what it takes? Courage to commit to one woman for the rest of your life. It doesn't take courage to get, get angry at everybody and start just kind of cussing them out and all that kind of stuff. It takes a lot of courage just to restrain yourself and say, mm, no, nah, I'm going to choose to be humble and patient right here. Yeah. It, takes a lot of, it doesn't take courage to sit around and complain about stuff all the time. It takes courage to say, hey, how can I serve? How can I go in there? How can I do something? You know, it takes courage to be men of purity, to be men of faith, to have character. It takes courage to do what's right when nobody else is watching. It takes courage to do what's right even when you're tired. To share your faith when no one else is doing it around you. It takes courage to love. To love those that nobody else is willing to love. To look at some different people that are hard to love and say, no, I'm going to have the courage to go love them. It doesn't take courage just to kind of do what everybody else does and reject that person or not talk to that person. It takes courage to go love people. That's what defines real masculinity right there. It takes courage to admit when you're wrong. To be humble with that stuff. I had to t- have courage like yesterday. I went out to, my parents were in town. I went out to dinner with them and my wife and my sister. And uh, I just didn't do a great job. I, I was kind of, I said some stuff, you know, to my wife and, and kind of made fun of her in some ways that just kind of were embarrassing for her. And so the next day I was like, I got to go apologize to my parents for not doing a great job being a husband right there. And that was like scary, you know, to like go up to my parents and actually like just, Hey, I'm so, I just want to say I'm sorry for treating Brie the way I did yesterday. That wasn't cool. Like, that takes courage to admit when you're wrong, to be humble. Do you feel, like, guys, do you feel tired? Do you feel worn out by what you're trying to do? That's good because it means you're trying to be courageous. You feel like you're suffering? That's awesome because glory, right, is on the other side of suffering. If you're living by faith, you should feel tired. You should feel like, man, I need to rely on God because that's the only thing I can do right here. Yeah. Not being burnt out, being tired, being beaten up, but saying, no, 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 bring it on, man. I want some more. I want some more of that stuff. One of my favorite movies of all time is Rocky. And uh, Rocky 3, there's this epic clip I just want to show. I think this is what we, what we want to be right here. I'm back from a meeting like that. Hey, what the hell are you doing? What the hell are you doing? Stop. This strategy, that's a lot of work. No, you don't know. These guys to come to you, get a champ. Snap it. You're back. The same for are on your part, and they're telling you, it doesn't take a man to stand there and get their head beat off. You don't worry. Uh, You're getting tired. But don't go wasting your punches. Get a champ. Don't try to take him off with one punch. Use your head. Are you wearing down? These are laws. I know what I'm doing, I know what I'm doing. Don't tell me what to think! Go out there and do it, I have the type. You understand? Yeah. I'm gonna stop this hill. It's just a man. It's just a man. Be more man than you! Go get him. I have the type! I have the type! I'll be down side to side. Round three. Top rounds is the call right now. This is a little smaller. That's my round. That's my round. I'm gonna take it. I'm taking it. Try it. That's epic right there, you know? That whole entire fight, Rocky is looking at him like, dude, that's all you got? He's like, you hit like my mother, man. He said, come on, breathe it on, bro. And he's at the very end, he's like, hey, I'm going to get you. He's like, hey, man, at least I ain't breathing heavy. And he's like, because I've been training for this. I've been, I've been Doing everything to kind of prepare for this battle right here. You think I'm scared of you? And I think that's how we should feel around Satan. That's how we should feel when life hits us hard. Because life's going to hit you hard. But if we're training with Jesus, we can look at him and say, dude, that's all you got? You ain't nothing, man. Bring it on. Punch me again. That's as hard as you can go? That's what training with Jesus looks like. And it says, man, we can take down anything. And if we had some more time, man, I'd, I'd love to go into some stories of men in here that I've been inspired by. That have been training with Jesus. there have been guys that have been shown courage, that have fasted for their purity. That have guys that have moved to other places because the gospel isn't preached there. People that need help in these different campus ministries. Guys that have shared their faith with their whole entire dorms. Guys that are like our hero to the women in our ministries. Guys that are trying just to go for it. I hear stories about my dad, like, after college, getting up, moving to Tokyo for three years, and just living there, trying to spread the gospel to a place that doesn't know Jesus. We need to be people, when you hang out with Jesus, your life should look epic. Your life should look amazing, because that's how everybody, if you're truly training with Jesus, your life should look like this epic, extraordinary adventure. And guys, we get scared all the time. We get scared all the time. You know, for me, this is actually my last campus retreat. Working with the campus ministry. I'm actually gonna be kind of going to North River and uh, and starting to work with our high school and middle school ministry, you know, come the summer. And for me, that's like one of, that's like that's working with middle school is a lot scarier than college students. you know. And it's just hard, man. I'm like, and I'm scared about this next adventure. And there's been so many times where I've been I've been scared. But you know what kind of gives me courage is knowing that I get to go with Jesus right next to me. Now we get to do it together. Now wherever I go, and if Jesus is with me. I'm going to be good. How much do you guys know Jesus? Are you getting daily training from him? Yeah. Where you're sitting there just kind of opening up the Bible and saying, man, what does Jesus want me to learn today? You walk into any situation, who does Jesus want me to be here? What would Jesus do right here? We well, are obsessed with trying to be like Jesus. Because that's the way that you're going to take on this life. We need more men in here that aren't just going to be good church boys, that are going to be followers and disciples and apprentices of Jesus. Yeah. You're gonna look at Jesus and say, I'm following that guy. That you become obsessed with him. That you know everything there is to know about him. You go after him. That's what's gonna give you this extraordinary, extraordinary courage. His way works, and it works every time, guys. I know this room is full of men who want to step out of the cage. You guys want to be in a cage. I know you do. You're men that want to change the world. I know following Jesus it can be tiring. It can be scary. But we desperately, desperately in this world, I'm like pleading with you guys as somebody that works with a lot of you and that works with college students. I'm pleading with you. We need men that are going to be tough. They're going to be courageous. They're going to walk with Jesus. They're going to listen for God's voice. Not just do a lot of things, listen for God's voice. Follow the King. If we take time to listen to the King, to our God, Become obsessed with becoming like Jesus. He's going to give us all the courage that we need. And then right then, gosh, that's truly when we are going to be men that are uncaged. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.